It's episode 50 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me as always on Keto for Women. And today we have a very special guest and just a really good conversation talking about better meat and turning keto and all the good stuff that we love to chat about here on Keto for Women. First, just a few quick announcements. Really, personally, I am actually away right now when this episode airs. I'm on the low-carb cruise and just kind of rounding out the low-carb cruise, actually. Went there for a week and I was asked to be a speaker. I will be doing a talk on why keto is different for women. Shocking, right? What else would I talk about seeing as how I have a whole podcast about it and have now done 50 episodes around such topic? It seems fitting that that would be what I discuss with the people on the low-carb cruise. So I can't wait to share with you what happened on the low-carb cruise, anything I can tell you about. I have been on it before. Two years ago, I went and was also a speaker with my friend Meg, and we had a great time. It's a really fun keto conference because it's just totally different. I mean, you're on a cruise ship and it's great because you get half conference on those days that you are on the ship sailing and then you get half vacation on the days that you are at a port. You get these as like vacation days. So it's the best of both worlds and the people are just great and you have seven days with them. So you really get to know everybody really well and make new friends. So I'm assuming that's what's going to be happening this time around too. So hopefully I'll come back with some really good stories, some new keto friends. And if you're listening and are someone that attends the low-carb cruises, then I look forward to meeting you in person. It's going to be really fun. So I will definitely give you guys a recap, at least as far as if there's any new information I learn. You know, I've been to a lot of conferences now in the past year, a lot of keto conferences. And of course, there are similar people and similar talks. So I really try to do a breakdown for you of all of those, but I'm going to probably skip over some if they have been already said here on Keto for Women. So I'll let you know if that happens and what to expect and just give you all a little bit of a inside look as to what I did as well, trying to maintain a ketogenic diet while on a cruise ship, which it's important to note because I get this question all the time that the entire cruise is not low carb. There's like 250 of us out of thousands of people that are on a normal cruise, like for vacation or honeymoons or whatever. And then there's us. So it's not like we only get the low carb options of food available. That would be great, but that's not the case. It is absolutely insane the amount of carbs and sugar and bread and It's shocking, actually, to see the amount of food that is contributing to our health issues here that is very readily available on a cruise ship. So I obviously do not participate in that. I do bring a lot of my own food, and I really love the salad bars and stuff, too, that they have there at every single meal. So I'll let you know. I'll give you some idea of what I ate and how I did and give you some tips in case you ever go on a cruise. And I'll also be doing that on my Instagram and more likely on my Instagram stories. For some reason, when I'm on vacation, I kind of forget that real Instagram exists, but I do really well with my stories. So you can go ahead and check out over there what I've been up to. Just get the inside scoop. All right. One more quick announcement, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week, but I do want to again remind you and put it out there that the Fat-Burning Female Self-Study class is opening for enrollment, and it will be an ongoing enrollment you can join anytime you're ready next Friday. So June 1st, you will be able to do the self-study option of the Fat-Burning Female Project. I'll go over next week who that's good for and who it would not be good for, but Something I'm really excited about, something I've been wanting to do for a really long time, and it just never was the right time, and I didn't really have time to focus on that, but I've spent the past month really making that 
self-study class awesome and beautiful and ready for you all to have in your hands to get out to a wider audience for those that maybe can't afford the Fat-Burning Female Project or just don't want to do a group format, then you have another option now. So looking forward to that. I'll talk more about that next week and you can decide if that's something that's right for you. So be on the lookout for that in the next episode, number 51. But let's get on with today's episode, shall we? Today on the Keto for Women show, I'm happy to have Angela Mavridis as my guest. She is the founder of Tribali Foods, which you know I've talked about often on the podcast so far. The amazing sponsorship that we have with these burger patties that are just of the highest quality standard of food in basically a convenient package and a frozen meat patty. And we'll talk more about that and how she got into that. But she has relied on a ketogenic diet to help with her own health issues in the past. And so she has a lot to share about that. And she's also a single mom. And I love talking about that and how to incorporate a healthy lifestyle when you are a single mom and you have three kids and you want them to live their best life. And of course, she's a holistic nutritionist and someone who is just fabulous in the kitchen. So we can get some tips from her there too. And I'm so excited to have a little chat here with Angela. So let's welcome her to Keto for Women. Angela, thank you so much for coming on Keto for Women today. I cannot wait to chat with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We've talked so much over email. This is our first time actually talking like with voice. So it's already feels amazing. I know. And I was saying, I hope to put a face to that voice soon. Someday. (laughs) Someday it will happen. But definitely already friends over here. But I really am excited for the rest of the Keto for Women community to hear more from you and more about your story. You You have a really awesome just everything. There's just so much that we can get into today. So I'm super excited to chat and get some kind of real life stuff from you. First of all, tell us your background. Tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah. So it's funny. We were just talking prior to recording and how my health journey was pretty much from what I call from paleo to confusion and then back again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the reason why I say that is, you know, I was born in Greece and I grew up spending my summers every summer going back and spending time with my grandparents on this beautiful fishing village down by the water where the food was basically from the land and the sea. I mean, grandma would send me into the village every day to just go to the local farmer's market or the butcher or even the bakery. You know, the bread there, as you know, in Europe is just so different. So the ingredients and food and cooking were just made from real ingredients and real foods that we would gather and catch that day. So everything was fresh. I loved eating that way. My body thrived. I just felt good. And then back here in the States and in my teenage years, I did go through that state of confusion. And I think we've all been there because there's so many mixed messages in the media as how to eat. You know, saturated fat is bad for you. Saturated fat is okay. You know, now we've swung the pendulum so far that we're actually waking up and starting our morning with saturated fat in our coffee, you know? Right. So there's so many different mixed messages and it was hard for me at that early age to make sense of it. And as I was saying, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now, but at the age of 13, I decided that the healthiest way for me to eat was the vegetarian diet. So I embarked on just fueling my fitness and my athletic goals with various protein powders because I knew protein was an essential nutrient and I wanted to make sure I was getting it, but I probably wasn't doing vegetarian correctly with the knowledge I knew in my teenage years. So I was really supplementing with protein powders, protein bars, protein shakes, protein supplements to make sure I was getting enough protein. As I was becoming a marathon runner, I started in college, I started some gym work, then I did some CrossFit later in life, and then even a cyclist most recently. And always, again, fueling with those various ways and making sure that you know my calories were in check and everything was low fat because that's what I thought was the right answer to eating the healthiest way and doing justice to my body. Only to fast forward until about four years ago when, I don't know how to describe it, Sean, but I think just, I say the hard drive crash, like things were just not working right anymore. And I think what I've learned is that you actually have to adjust your food and nutrition to the stage of life you're in, to 
everything else that's going on in your life, whether it's stress or personal or emotional, to the age you're at and to your goals, right? Everything needs adjusting Mm -hmm. in context. So what was working in my 20s was definitely not working anymore in my 40s. So I decided after studying nutrition too and becoming a holistic nutritionist, I thought, Maybe there's something to eating some real animal, healthy, good for you, high quality, nutrient dense protein. So I embarked on researching meat and I actually even went to a CAFO farm to kind of experience firsthand what conventional beef is like. And I actually left there horrified. Yeah. I was going to say, tell me you were traumatized by that. Traumatized. Yeah. Not just so much for the quality of the meat, but for the quality of the animal's life. I was like, this is not right. This is not the way nature intended for these animals to live their lives, to end their lives, to make their way onto our plate. I mean, there's got to be a better way. So yeah, I dove deep into research and found some family farms and found the practices that were important to me. And During the years of not eating meat, I pinned it to three things that were so important to me. One was the moral issue of how the animal was treated and how it lived its life. Mm -hmm. Second was environmental. Like, what is this doing to our environment? Are we leaving the environment better off or is it sustainable or is it regenerative? Like, how is this impacting the environment? And third and most important was the nutritional profile of the actual meat I was eating. Like, what is it doing for me? nutritionally and, you know, emotionally and how is it benefiting my efforts? So once I kind of figured that out and found sources that were meeting my standards and were actually doing better for the environment and had the nutrient profile I was looking for, you know, from grass-fed and finished, like we've talked about the high quality animal proteins, I decided to incorporate meat back into my diet. And That was four years ago. I tried my first grass-fed and finished steak. I (laughs) went to the market, bought it, cooked it on my own, sat down, you know, and just thought, let me try this. And I haven't looked back since. I mean, then then the rest is history. I am now a producer of meat products. But I've come full circle back to more of a paleo way of eating, you know, more just real food. And I'm not one for like the paleo treats and sweets. Like I'm not a big baker in that category. I'm more about just building your plate with a reasonable amount of protein that correlates with your body structure, your you know goals too of what you're trying to achieve. So that good size of protein, and I usually do three to six ounces depending on who it is that's eating it, nice full plate of produce and some healthy fats. I mean, it's a pretty simple. And then of course you can dial those three levers up and down mm-hmm. for if you're skewing a little bit more keto, which I've done, and we can talk about that journey, or just not even worry about it and just eat real food, you know? And I think that's what serves my body the best at this stage in life. So, yeah, which is so important to know that about yourself and to have, sounds like you've tried a lot of different things. And I'm so curious about, so you were a vegetarian majority of your life. I was, I was, although I will, one caveat, I did eat fish because you can't be okay. Greek and live on a Greek fishing village and not eat fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a nice piece of grilled white fish to me or salmon or whatever was just, Great. So I have been a big seafood eater, but incorporating red meat back into my diet or poultry or turkey or lamb or pork or all those hasn't been up until about four years ago. But I also rotate them, even organ meats I've tried, but bringing a little bit in, like I said, you know, I would favor quality over quantity. I don't think we need 14 ounce steaks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? We just need a Mm -hmm. good sized portion mixed of all the different varieties. So you're getting your CLAs, your good ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, your vitamin B12, your iron, all these things that I was deficient in, I am incorporating back into my diet now. Yeah. And that's what I kind of wanted to ask. So first of all, did you notice anything in all those years, like looking back now that you had these signs that maybe you weren't at your healthiest? And then now what would you say to people who are currently doing vegan or vegetarian and maybe deficient in these things that you just mentioned? So I know I wasn't doing it right because I probably in my teenage years and early 20s, I hadn't studied any of this stuff. So like I said, I was supplementing with all the protein supplementation of bars and powders and what have you, shakes. 
And it worked. I won't say it didn't work. I felt fine for a very long time. And then it stopped working. And I could feel when it stopped working. I had IBS, lots of, I think those protein powders and supplements did a number of my digestive. Just things weren't settling. I just had all sorts of gut issues, the bloating, the extended gut, all sorts of discomfort. And I think it was just all that supplementation. So when I did incorporate meat back in, for me, it was more of a of a satiating and satisfying feeling. I felt like this is real food and it satisfied me in a way that 35 years of vegetarianism did not. I felt like I was always hungry or I was pretty high carb then too. So I pretty much rode that insulin roller coaster of chasing food every three to four hours. So switching it up and now really getting a good plate of, like I say, protein, produce and healthy fats keeps me satiated much longer and satisfied, quite honestly. Yeah. And your body is just actually utilizing it and absorbing it and feeling really good doing so, I'm sure. You can just feel that happen, I feel like, with these kinds of plates of food that we're eating. So at what point did you decide to try a ketogenic diet and how did that go for you? Yeah, I did transition to not fearing the fat anymore. And that was a hard thing mentally to get over because so many years it was ingrained in low fat diets that to increase that fat took a big mental switch. But again, I really think like, gosh, a half an avocado, you'd be amazed how satiating that is and how long you can stay full with that. But I was definitely more of a big portion kind of gal with produce. Like I love a big fatty salad, right? I have one of those every day. Mm -hmm. And so even though I'm still eating lots of vegetables, doing keto, it does dial down, I think, the portions a little bit because fat is so, so much more you know, high in calories. So you just have to watch it a bit. But for me, keto helped with a few things that hit me sort of in midlife. I had some crazy sugar cravings, Sean, that I never had before my entire life. Like I was never a sweet tooth person. So all of a sudden... Maybe it's because menopause, maybe it was because the stress level of what I'm doing right now, but I had these crazy, crazy sugar cravings, which like, again, I felt like it was somebody else. Like, who is this person that is craving these things? And keto quieted all that down for me, Mm -hmm. just put it to rest and put it away and kind of slayed the sugar dragon, if you will, in a nice, calm manner. It just sort of happened. And keto worked but with some adjustments for me. I'm not sure I'm the best candidate for the super low, like those 20 grams or less carbs, because I had a few side effects. But then it's hard to tell, Sean, and you can weigh in on this, if the side effects were from the diet or if the side effects were from other things happening in my life during these you know, past four years. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to pinpoint where that's coming from. But some side effects... Just to give you an example, our wonkiness and sleep patterns, where I was always a good sleeper. Now there are nights where my heart is racing so rapidly, I could easily pull an all-nighter. And I have, with no reason. Like I have nothing to do. I just can't get to sleep. Or lots of hair loss or hormonal imbalances. But then I don't know if I can say it was keto or is it the fact that I'm starting this new business and I have a boatload of stress on my plate? There's so many levers to this health journey. And as soon as you dial one and you find exactly what works, something else is going wonky over on the other side. So you got to run over and dial the sleep in and then dial the community and play and experiences and joy in life. And you're like, okay, I'm happy in this area. And then you run over and you're like, okay, I'm so overly stressed. I'm not eating properly. And then you dial that area. I mean, just to get them all balanced. (laughs) And then as soon as you do, it works. And then a while longer, it's not working anymore. So it's right. You feel like you're constantly chasing your tail, but I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm I'm almost there. I, I feel like I'm almost close to dialing everything in. So I think Personally, I do a little bit better with some more carbs just because of my activity level and just to keep me hormonally balanced with all the hormonal shifts going on at this stage in life too. That's kind of a challenge. And Mm -hmm. that's another whole thing, trying to dial that one in. That's a bit of a challenge as well. 
So this would be really fun. Do you mind if we do like a little bit of back and forth so that we can maybe pinpoint what could have been the problem? And so this kind of is where it becomes like finding the best keto that's for you, which it sounds like is what you're doing. Right, right. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So my questions would be, you had these symptoms, which it's so important for people to note that when these things happen while they're trying a ketogenic diet and to not just ignore it, right? So you had these changes in your sleep patterns. You were starting to have like these heart palpitations. You noticed some hair loss. You noticed some additional wonkiness in your hormones, these kind of things going on, which is so important to know that. Now, when you notice those things, were you actually in ketosis? I was because I did have a blood keto monitor and I was monitoring. So I was between one and three. Perfect. Okay. So that would be my first question to anybody who... Yes. Yes. yes, yes. I'm, I'm big for monitoring. Yes. Perfect. That's the only way you know, really. Right. Exactly. Which is obviously what I promote here on Keto for Women. So that would be my first question. My second question, and I'm just doing this. I'm not picking on you. I'm just doing this for other people. Brother, yeah. Yeah. No, because there's other people that I'm sure... Yeah. Have- in the same exact boat. I get this all the time. So my second question would be, did you like, even without knowing it, not trying to, did you decrease the amount of food you're eating simply because you weren't hungry? I don't think I did. Okay. I don't think I did. I think I just changed the types of food I was eating. So no longer did I have those sugar cravings, but I felt like I still was eating a good amount. I will tell you because of the stress level and this business, I did put exercise to the waistline and I'm so mad at myself for doing that, but I just didn't have the energy and it. Yeah. So you were working out less. Yeah. A lot less. Now I've, I've since changed that and I started joining a gym again and going on my runs, which I so enjoy. Like that's my, you know, stress releaser, like going on a 20 minute run with my music on or a podcast. I love that. You know, and each person has to find what brings them joy because exercise should be a form of enjoyment, not a punishment. Like I ate something. So now I got to go on a run. It's more like, I love it. Right. Like it's your time to kind of get your mind in check, Yeah, which I, I hear that's the case for a lot of people. It's not the case for me because all <laughs> I'm doing is wishing I wasn't running whenever I'm running. Well, you got to find what, li- I mean, you know, what, yeah, you got to find what works for you. Okay. So that's good. So you still maintained your level of food, which would be my second question. And then my last question would be kind of around supporting your electrolytes and making sure that was in check, especially for that sleep issue, you know, especially with the heart palpitations that often is just a sign of electrolyte imbalance. Yeah, no, I was doing an eighth of a teaspoon of salt, made sure I had my salt and magnesium every night before I go to sleep, both in a powder form. And also I do little magnesium foot baths where I just so love that. Right. So yeah, those are like my things. And then from there, I'm just telling you, okay, you were just super stressed. I know I was, I think my adrenals and I did like a bunch of tests. And I think the best thing anyone could do for themselves. And I hope you agree is to do some baseline tests to know where you're at. Absolutely. And anything for me, hormones were a big component of it. Even digestion, you know, doing a stool test to know what I've got going on in there with the gut. And then of course, just a basic blood panel. So yeah. So then you knew that you were taxing your adrenals and those symptoms, yes, they probably were a little bit elevated when you started a ketogenic diet, even perhaps because maybe it took a while to get you into a ketogenic state. Maybe, I don't know, but also you were just really stressed at that time. So it was just like the same two things happening at the same time. So what I love is that you were able to determine, okay, if I put a little bit more carbohydrate, which of course... I'm assuming you're having, you know, like sweet potatoes or, you know, something very healthy carbohydrate source, Right. then you found out that you feel better. And that's, what's really important. That's where we can find our own version of keto. Right. And I think just strict keto works best when all your other levers, if you will, are dialed in. I think when your hormones are tanked and your adrenals are burnt out and you've got, you know, gut issues and maybe a pathogen and you try keto on top of that, it's like, you know, you're chasing your tail. Like, how do you know what the root cause of all your issues are? And you're throwing keto on top of that. It might just not be the best, but yeah. I mean, if it's a case where keto stresses you out, which is not how it should be, but if it adds stress to even just you trying to figure out what your plate should look like or oh, I can't ever have carbs again, you know, any sort of emotional, mental, physical stress, then yeah, of course, in not be the best 
thing. Now, the way that I teach it and the way that I think we promote here on Keto for Women is it's actually a very healing mechanism and would actually help all those situations, but it has to be approached in the right capacity. If you're trying to do this super hardcore version of keto and just like force your body into it while you have a pathogenic overgrowth in your gut and you have adrenal fatigue and hormonal imbalances, it's going to be a mess. But when we do it the Keto for Women way or the Fat Burning Female Project way, it is actually a really healing and really great place for your body to be during that time. So it's just different. But like I said, I think that finding the keto that works for you is really where it needs to start and being able to recognize what that looks for you. So I think you've done that, which is great. Yeah. And I agree that everyone should just tinker a little bit because there's so many... I mean, your podcast and the way you teach it is so perfect for women, especially because we have so many different issues going on and at different stages of our lives. And it's so good to know that there's a place to go to get all the information. But I think even at that, everyone should not just stick to dogma. Like I was told I got to do this. So I'm going to do it this way, whether it works or not. I'm going to force my, like tinker a little bit. And like you mentioned, I just had to up the carbs just a little. And I do more tuber vegetables and sweet potatoes and maybe even a little brown rice just to get me exactly to where it works for me. Where you feel best. Yeah. And I think everyone should embark on the journey, but definitely have that flexibility to find how they thrive most. Totally agree. I love it. Now, before we move on, I've got to take a second to tell you about the podcast partner that I am so excited to announce here on Keto for Women, Rasa Coffee. If you guys have not tried Rasa before, you are in for such a treat. I love Rasa for so many reasons. First of all, they are a Boulder local company, so always love to support those here in Boulder, but also they're doing great things for the coffee alternative space. So, so many times I see women just relying on so much coffee to get them through the day, especially in the keto space. And it just doesn't need to be that way. And quite honestly, shouldn't because it can really take a toll on your adrenals. So why not have a coffee alternative that not only tastes amazing, and I mean amazing, but also actually works to heal your adrenals. So Rasa Coffee is a completely coffee-free alternative beverage that actually uses adaptogenic herbs that heal and restore your adrenal function. So it's an herbal support. It tastes amazing. You brew it very similarly to coffee. I like to brew it in my French press and it works really well. I also love to have it like bulletproof style, quote unquote, with some coconut oil or ghee blended in. It tastes like heaven. I cannot wait for you all to try this. And really, it just would be a great way for you all to get started on not relying so much on caffeine, but providing your body with this safe healing style of energy that comes from these adaptogenic herbs, which is what Rasa is completely made of. There's no gluten, no caffeine, no sugar, no coffee, nothing but herbs that when blended all together tastes like a dream. So I really cannot wait for you all to try this. Head to Rasa Coffee with a K and get 15% off your order when you use the coupon code KETO, the number four women. That's Rasa, K-O-F-F-E-E dot com. Use coupon code KETO, the number four women for 15% off your order. Let me know how you like your Rasa because... I know I like mine with some vanilla bean ghee blended in first thing in the morning. And really, truly, it provides this lasting, really stable energy that coffee does not bring me. Y'all know I cannot tolerate caffeine. So I am all about these coffee alternatives. And Rasa is absolutely my favorite, hands down. So go ahead and try it yourself. Head over to rasacoffee.com. Okay, so let's move on because I want to talk about something I'm really fascinated in. I don't know why, maybe because it's not my life at all, but I think so many women can relate and I have get this question a lot is just around like having kids 
and trying to instill a healthy lifestyle in them. And I know you're a single mom, you have three kids. So of course, even the stress of that too. How do you balance all that? And how does that look like in your family? Yeah. So I wish I could say it was all perfect that my kids eat paleo. And, but the truth of the matter is I do my best. I encourage them to help me cook in the kitchen and shop in the market. So by just osmosis, by being around me and seeing how we walk the perimeter of the market, we talk about what foods will make up our plate. We do a lot of farmer's market buying and we do a lot of turn that package around and read the ingredients, guys. Can you pronounce it? Can you identify it? Can you source it? And can you actually find the ingredient in the market? Like if it's some unpronounceable scientific term, we usually put it back. You know, I'm not against eating packaged foods, obviously, since I'm producing one, but it should be as close to identifiable as possible. So that's the sort of message I give to them, but I'm not so dogmatic, you know, and I'll tell you, I've got a daughter who's 13 now, and that was around the time that I turned vegetarian. And I probably had in retrospect, looking back, a couple issues with eating and a couple, you know, I don't know where it stemmed from, but I think it was that mentality back, you know, the Greek grandma that would say, clean up your plate, eat everything off your plate. There's starving people in Africa. I'm like, okay, what does that have to do with if I don't want to eat anymore and I'm full? Because intuitively, these young kids, it's so funny, they can leave like two little bites on their plate. And I'm like, well, you don't want anymore? No, mom, I'm full. And it's like, we lose that. Like we feel like we have to clean up our plate. Yes. And so I had a few issues around that at an early age. And so I want to make sure my kids have no issues around food. Food should be an enjoyment. We gather around as a Greek family. Food can take, you know, upwards of two hours to cook. And it's a, it's a whole cultural experience for us. We cook, we eat together, we laugh together around the table, we share stories. So I want it to be that experience for them without any list of this is bad food, this is good food, this is no food, this is yes food. It's free open plate. But I think by being around me and seeing the way I eat, and obviously I cook for them here at home, they know what food better nourishes your body and gives you more energy and will make you thrive and what doesn't. You know, when they do eat, and they do, you know, the chocolate, the sugary stuff, the pizzas, the pasta. I mean, they eat stuff like that sometimes. They feel, I have a stomach ache, I'm lethargic, I'm tired, I want to sit on the couch. Whereas opposed on days where we're eating much of a paleo plate, they're up and running and they're fine. So they notice these differences. And so I encourage it more and more. But, you know, the, there's the birthday parties and this and that. I, I don't want to make it so dogmatic that I'm going to instill any kind of fear in them. So that's, you know, it's really important as kids just to make sure that I'm doing it right. But incorporating them into the buying process and the cooking process, I think is very important. And for me, you know, my oldest is about 15 and a few years away from college yet. But I said to myself, I'm going to make sure that these kids know how to make 10 meals that they enjoy eating and that they are able to cook before I send them off to college. Because I can't tell you how many people, Sean, even on my one-on-one -on -one coaching that I did as a holistic nutritionist, how many people would tell me I either don't have time to cook or I don't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. Oh, so many people. Right. And the best thing you could do for yourself is take pride in nurturing your body. I mean, you've only got one <laughs> and you're the only one that can take care of it. So food can either be your poison or your medicine. So if they know how to make 10 meals, you know, from scratch that they enjoy, and a lot of it is like real foods. I mean, we roast a chicken with potatoes in the oven, Greek style with garlic and olive oil and lemon and just throw it in the oven. All three of my kids from my nine to my 15 year old know how to do that. It's a pretty easy thing. So we do the best we can. <laughs> I think that's such a great response. I don't have kids, but that's really what I tell people that do ask about that. And I think so many people will just benefit and appreciate that response that you give and not being like super dogmatic or being so strict with your kids, because it's just not going to happen. They're going to go to parties and there's going to be pizza and they're going to eat it. Right. So I think just doing the best that you can to educate 
them on what it looks like to nourish your body and how good it can taste to do so. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just providing that education. And then they're still going to eat those other foods. But like you said, they're going to notice that they don't feel good and eventually gets to a point where that's just not even appealing because they don't feel good when they do. So I just love that approach. You have to provide that knowledge and education and just let them find out for themselves to some degree too. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of green book. I think that's so great. So let's move on talking more about you because I know that in the past few years, it's been pretty stressful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've had a stressful good things and bad things and just the whole gamut. But I'd love if you can share, I guess, kind of how you feel like maybe the stress impacted your health to some degree and how you're kind of working to dig yourself out of that. Because I can tell you like 90% of the women listening are dealing with stress that is causing some damage to their body. Yeah. And Sean, it was so hard to identify. Like, I feel like I fell in a rabbit hole and I didn't know which way was up for a couple of years. And part of it was because I was really passionate and excited about bringing this product to the world. And it really just fueled me. Like, I can't even tell you my passion for it was something I'd never experienced before. It was really like a fun journey to get this out, but it took a toll because I had never immersed myself so wholeheartedly into something where I suffered and let other things slip by the wayside, meaning my health, my balance, my personal life, my community, my friendships. I really like seriously stuck my head in the sand for two years. And maybe, you know, sometimes people say like, oh, you got to grind to get this. But now that I've sort of come out of it, I feel like, okay, now I'm up and running. I want that balance back. So I can't even stress how important it is to realize it as it's happening rather to than to find yourself years later going, whoa, what just happened? My system has crashed and how did I let this happen to myself? So as stress is coming because there's no way you can never have stress, right? I mean, it exists and it'll you know manifest itself in different ways. I think it's so important to not let the other things that help balance the stress out go by the wayside, meaning sleep, community, support, exercise, movement, food. I know that's a lot, but all those can counterbalance the stress that's weighing on you. So if you're getting adequate sleep and making sure you're getting those eight hours for repair and recovery, if you're still getting the movement so that your body isn't, you know, and there were months that I was like, on the computer, I think 12 hours a day, sitting in a chair, Uh not moving. And that took a toll. Like I'd get up and go, oh my gosh, I'm turning into an old lady. Yeah, (laughs) This isn't me. I used to be a marathon runner and a century cyclist. Like what am I doing? So I finally balanced that pendulum. You know, I brought it back to the middle. I'm like, I want to balance it out again. And I think that's so important. Make sure that's all balanced out because it could suck you up and before you know it, spit you out and you're a whole different person. You're like, I've lost myself. What happened to the Angela that was balanced and incorporated all these things? So I'm happy to say that I'm getting that back, but it has been a journey and you got to be aware that it's happening before it's almost too late. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the idea of community because I don't think that's something that enough of us really take to heart and do enough for ourselves and how important that can be to balance out this stress that we have. But taking time to build a community of friends or even just like a church community or a gym community or just having that connection with other people and doing a lot of that is so important. So true. And even, you know, being a little vulnerable and talking about it, putting it out there, because as soon as you do, like even with you, you're like, oh, you know, I have so many other women that talk about this going through this. If you think you're alone and you're the only one going through this stressful time that's really taking a toll on your health, there's probably someone else out there too. And connecting with people over this and saying, well, how are you dealing with it? And what are you doing for stress management? And I've gotten so many great tools that I never even knew existed and incorporating these into your life, whether it's, you know, meditation for me, I'm not a huge meditation gal, but I will love going out and doing a fast walk or run. That's my form of meditation or getting out in nature. I can't tell you how much I enjoy hiking. Yes. For me, that's my go to God church Mm -hmm. thing. Like I just love getting out there and being one with nature. So whatever method it is, 
make sure you carve out time for yourself. And there was a day, Sean, which I'm sure you're the same too, when I would go to the gym and it would be in my calendar. Like it is my commitment from eight to 9 a.m. I don't take calls. I don't take meetings. I don't do anything. I go to the gym because that is me time. And then I come back and guess what? Nobody died. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I could get to everything at 9.15. It's okay. Well, I let that go away, right? And I just put it back in the calendar. I'm like, no, those are important to me. And that's what balances me out. So, you know, whether it's a morning run or walk or a morning gym session, it's my time. Nobody bother me. I'm getting me back. So, so great. I'm making a commitment and sticking to it. So, putting it out there, telling others your support, your community, and sticking it in your calendar, just those little efforts just to make sure you're committed to yourself. Have to take the me time for sure. And as business owners, we both, I think, have an issue doing that sometimes, but you've got to do it. It's so important to everything. And like the people that you're helping too is when you take time for yourself. So everyone remember that. Even if it's just your family that you're putting first, sometimes you have to put yourself first and it makes a huge difference. Okay. Now let's talk about meat. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about this. So you mentioned briefly before just some of the benefits that we get from eating good, high quality meats and the difference between that and the great benefits that we get from eating like grass-fed, grass-finished beef to the potentially harmful things that we get from eating this CAFO grain-fed beef. So can we talk a little bit more about the differences there? Right, right. So yeah, and if you're looking at the nutritional profile, like we mentioned, the animal is fed a different diet when it's pasture-raised and out on grasses. It's really fed eating the diet it was meant to eat, just open pastures. The CAFO meat is definitely fed corn, soy, grain, and even weird things like marshmallows and gummy bears. Oh God. Believe it or not, fillers, weirdest things I've seen and I've heard. So this has a different profile on the fat and the muscle tissue of the CAFO. And then Even the way the animal is slaughtered, I don't know if you're familiar with xenohormesis, but it's sort of the energetics of the cow that it tenses up when it knows it's going to slaughter and it sees all the other cows in front of it being slaughtered. And it releases all sorts of toxins into the muscle tissue right before slaughter. I mean, it's just horrific. And, you know, all those play a part on the nutritional profile of the meat itself. So at the basic, basic level, you don't want any antibiotics or any hormones added to the meat because those trace amounts make their way onto the plate that you're going to eat. So that's sort of meat 101, like no hormones, no antibiotics. And then you could take it up a notch and do the grass-fed and finished and organic. And you know, if you look at all the proteins, you look at pasture-raised or heritage pork or free-range chicken and turkey or pastured if you can afford and find wild-caught seafood. I mean, you just get to the highest quality. And a lot of people sometimes say, well, grass-fed, I've got a family of four to feed or grass-fed beef is just so expensive. And, and that's where my product comes in in that it's, you know, the ground round or chuck and ground beef is always the least expensive. So we're not eating top sirloin grass-fed and finished steaks mm-hmm. all day, right? You can do lower cuts that are less expensive. I flavor them with all sorts of herbs, spices, vegetables, and purees, and that's it. You know, no binders or fillers or additives to bring out these wonderful flavors. And right now what we've got is, and you've tried them too, the Mediterranean beef, the umami beef, which has shiitake mushrooms. So good. Oh, they're both so good. I I can taste them now. It's making me cream them. (laughs) And the chipotle chicken, which happens to be one of our bestsellers. And They're meant to take center plate. Like I mentioned, you know, your protein, your produce, and your healthy fats. I hate even on the box, you know, they're a patty at the end of the day. You could stick them in a bun and make a burger like my kids like to eat them. But, or you can do them a little more paleo style, the way I have them on the box, you know, with just veggies or cauliflower rice or zucchini noodles. That's what I do with lots of fat on them. Then it becomes keto. (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. And, you know, even the fat profile, the better ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, you know, grass-fed and finished beef has almost a one-to-one ratio, which is hard to find anywhere. And you're getting like anything from zinc to magnesium, selenium, potassium, B12, your iron. I mean, it's just a like 
Sean, honestly, I almost venture to call it the new superfood. <laughs> yeah, actually, I tell you what, a couple of years ago, I said that. And especially when we're talking about that omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, it's the same ratio as like salmon. I know. You know, and we always think we have to have this fish to get these omega-3s. You can get that from grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Right. And it tastes so good and it's so good for you. And again, quality over quantity. If you mix up the proteins too, you do a little lamb, a little bison, which I love bison, your your pork, your chicken, your turkey. I mean, there's so many now that I'm incorporating meat back into my diet. I tell you, I feel like I'm making up for 35 years of body, (laughs) but I'm excited to produce this product from both like a nutritional standpoint, but also just a healthier way to make easy meal prep for people that do struggle in the kitchen. And as doing the one-on-one consulting, when I had clients, a lot of people, like I said, said, I don't have time or I don't know how. So I felt like, okay, this can't be any easier. I mean, they cook straight from frozen. Mm -hmm. We're individually portioned out four ounce patties so that you know what you're getting. You can pull one out or you can pull three out, you know, whatever you need. And they're ready in 10 minutes or less. I mean, everyone could chop a salad, roast some veggies or grill some veggies on the side. It's the protein that becomes a little cumbersome, challenging, intimidating, if you will. Like, And especially if you're trying to make it taste good. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't know how to use flavors and spices correctly. Right. I almost call it like jokingly, I'm like, okay, it's idiot proof. Anyone could use it. But no, I made it more like convenient and easy. And you've even mentioned on your podcast sometimes where you come home yep. from a flight or meet and you haven't shot, but at least your freezer has a trustworthy brand in there that you know is high quality and clean ingredients and transparent and easy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's absolutely the best time for me to use it. And why I always make sure I have some of your burger patties in the freezer is just like, if I forget to take out the roast I was going to make or something, and now I have no protein sources, I always have some burger patties, which I think is great. And yeah, if I don't have time to go to the grocery store, I'm just being lazy, then they're always there. So definitely always worth it to have it, have some in stock, but let's talk more about the other ingredients. So how did you decide what else to put in? there? Like, how did you create these recipes? Because they're all so good. Thank you. Thank you. So it was important to me coming from the paleo community to make sure they, you know, adhere to some of the paleo principles. And I had done a bunch of whole thirties before and encouraged some of my clients who are coming from a standard American diet to embark on a whole 30 as a first step, just to clean up and find out what foods serve them well and what foods irritate them, right? You got to start on this continuum. You've got to start your journey somewhere. So I was always trying to meet people where they're at and telling them, well, if you start with the whole 30, which is still a big leap for some, at least it gives you a basis of foods I love that love me back, right? So my product, I wanted to make sure it spoke to both of those protocols and just wanted to obviously have ingredients on the back label that were just made from real foods. And I remember when I was in Greece with my grandma, we would make these, what they call there, and you might've had them in Spain because they're all over Europe, but they're bifteca. It's a bifteki. So it's various types of meats, pork, lamb, or beef. And blended and mixed together was just chopped up veggies and some herbs and maybe a little tomato paste and garlic puree. And they're made into an oval shape and they're broiled. So that's kind of how we eat them in Europe. But I made it, took that same concept and made it more in a circular patty, which we're familiar with here, and used as, as center plates. So the flavors were just kind of trial and error, but I wanted to bring out notes of the Mediterranean. I had a wonderful Moroccan lamb, which had Moroccan flavors. So there's so many global inspired flavors that we bring in to flavor these meats. And like I said, they're sort of meant to stand alone. So gosh, they're so good. And yeah, that's the thing. They're so flavorful that it's not like you really need much else on your plate besides maybe some kali rice or a salad or something like that. And they're so flavorful. You did such a great job. So, and I know some great things have just happened with your company. You got an award and you're moving into Target and all that stuff. So give us the scoop. Yeah. So, I mean, we've only been on the shelves since Labor Day, which is about what, eight months ago, September? Wow. It seems like longer than that. That is so great. Right. And you would think I have a big staff, a big company. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's me, myself, and I, and all three of us do. I wear many hats. Oh my gosh. Now, I know. And so we got onto Whole Foods, and subsequently, we made it onto Target. We just launched like two days ago. So what are we, the 18th of May now, just a couple of days ago, onto the shelves of 185 super Targets across the U.S. So they're a little bit different than the regular Targets in that they have a bigger grocery, but you can find them on our Find Locator tab to find the nearest one to you. And we've got a couple of flavors in the works. You know, another challenge that I'm finding some of my followers are telling me that breakfast is always a challenge. Mm. You know, it's keto and paleo, you know, you can only do eggs so much. You just get sick of them. Yeah. And if you're thinking outside the cereal box, like we want to think outside of, you know, the typical standard breakfast, I'm all a proponent of have last night's dinner for breakfast. It doesn't really matter. It's just your first meal. And that meal does not have to be the typical cereal or you know, bagels. It could be a patty. It could be a nice source of protein with some vegetables. I mean, it really can. And so I'm coming out with a chicken and apple mini slider. Ah, yum. And a pork and sage mini slider. So, and I call them mini sliders because you can have them for breakfast as a little, you know, they'll be just a circular little mini mm-hmm. patty, or you can have them as a snack, or you can have them just as a lunch. And I mean, I love it. My kids come home from school and they ask for their snack of choice is literally a chicken chipotle patty with sliced avocado on top. Yes. Uh, That's mine too. Right? And part of it is like, I don't bring other stuff into the house. So you're not going to find the junk sort of in my pantry. And that's what they gravitate towards. So I couldn't be more proud to say that's the snack I'm giving my kids. That is so amazing. And the Nexty Award, what's that award for? So the Nexty Award is an industry sort of award from the Expo show. They have an Expo. Have you been to the Expo? I haven't. I want to go so bad. I haven't been. It's an amusement park of food. I mean, it's overwhelming. But the next award is what they give for up and coming brands. And we got the award for best new frozen food product. So, oh, it's so great. Yeah. So it's an exciting year. And I'm just so excited to see where we're going to be, you know, a year or two from now. I'm loving the fact that I'm gaining followers and people are actually interacting and telling us what they'd love to see from us. So I encourage anyone who has tried our product and our patties to give us some feedback and let us know how else can I serve them? Like what more can I give them to make their lives easier, tasty, and convenient? I love that. And anybody who has tried your burger patties will definitely give you some feedback and make sure to follow you over at Tribali Foods on Instagram, right? Is that your preferred source? Exactly. So do that, everybody. And then also, if you haven't tried them, you definitely have to, especially now knowing the background and everything that Angela believes in. It's so important. And so just supporting her business is, of course, always a good thing. Supporting the small businesses are great. And you can do that by going to tribalifoods.com. And we have a coupon code. So you can use keto for women That's keto, the number for women. And you get 15% off your order. So make sure to go ahead and stock up. Like I said, it's always such a great thing to have in your fridge for times when you like have no food. <laughs> <laughs> or you just feel like having a burger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime, or you don't know how to cook or whatever the case may be. It's just such a great convenient resource. So it was so great to have you on the show and just to hear more about your story. Thanks so much, Sean. I hope I shed some light on anybody else who's going through a health journey and just trying to fine tune all those little lovers in your life. And There's light at the end of the tunnel. I know for me, and I'm feeling much better. And food definitely has a big part of it. It all starts with food is what I believe. Yes, it really, truly does. I think we all, anyone that comes to this holistic space has that as their number one. Like we've got to get the food dialed in and you feel so much better when you do. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much. And we will chat soon. Okay. Thanks so much and have a great day. Bye. Bye. 